Hi, and welcome to Behind the Headlines on SOT Radio Network. I'm Neil Bradley, my co-host, as always, Joe Quinn. Hi there. It's Sunday, 24th of June, 2018. This week, we're discussing mass immigration. Just don't freak out just yet. Take it easy. Everyone just take a breather because a lot of people are freaking out about it. A lot of exceptional people, let's say, are freaking out. Most people, you know, are alarmed by it, but they're probably too busy watching the World Cup to really be freaking out about it. But we, we couldn't help but notice that it really dominated headlines on both sides of the Atlantic, in Europe and in the U.S. last week. Mm -hmm. um, probably a, a coincidence. There's a coincidence of things going on, but ultimately they're going to be the same kinds of reasons, the same sets of reasons for why that's the case. Um, we read some analysis in the news this week that naturally linked the two together, but as usual, the mainstream media either leaves stuff out or it's heavily slanted in agenda-ridden takes on why things are happening. I mean, most, it's most noticeable in the US, I think, Joe, with um, the Trump bashing. Like, it's all Trump's fault that everything's gone wrong, you know, when clearly he was the reason he got elected was because things were going wrong right and people wanted something some serious change what yeah. was it that kicked it off in the u.s um in the last week 10 days well i don't know i mean i'm automatically suspicious of it you know uh, in terms of the fact that this kind of thing has been has been going on for the past six or seven years at least you know where uh under obama in fact they um you know kids were being taken away from parents uh the thing that ha seems to have i mean you didn't hear anything about that then there was no outcry or whatever but maybe it's because because of trump's uh just in april larry he declared a kind of zero pol zero tolerance policy for any undocumented illegal immigrants coming across the southern border uh and i suppose in a misguided humanitarian uh, move as part of that, which I suppose has been the case all along, is whenever you get parents with uh, adults with children, um, the parents are kind of separated and sent back immediately, uh, or, or rather, the parents are detained or taken to some detention place. But you basically don't, you don't. I mean, in the same way, you wouldn't detain or, or process an adult in the same way you process a child. You know, what I mean, they just decided on this. Um, way back when, several years ago, they decided on, on separating parents from children. Um, it's not very clear why, other than just kind of formal, the formal kind of procedure where you don't process children the same way you process uh, adults, basically. Is it a way of stopping some loophole that this effect is being exploited so that if you have a kid, no, the kid has more rights to asylum to stay to citizenship eventually and something like that i i don't think so the, well the other problem is that i think that this figures mostly in, in in the current furor is is that there are a lot of children especially children as in under 18s coming across the border on their own you know of course yeah. the images you've seen are of you know small babies because that tugs at the heartstrings the most and stuff but the bit the major problem uh, in terms of uh children being officially children under 18s being uh, put into detention cages or whatever, or detention cells or whatever, is that, uh, is that they're coming across the border, a lot of them are coming across the border on their own, you know, uh, unaccompanied minors basically coming across the border. But um, this was, I mean, it was part of the Trump policy, it was part of the Obama policy as well. But uh, like I said, Obama or Trump 
um, announced a zero tolerance, basically, anti-immigration, which is, like you said, it's kind of his mandate in a certain sense. And then, and then, of course, the media's all over it. And you have to be suspicious of the fact that, you know, for the past, what, 18 months now, um, the, the kind of liberal, let's say, media, the left is CNN, anti-Trump, uh, media have been just looking for absolutely anything to demonize him with, right? So this is obviously being, you have to factor that in in terms of the extent to which it's being played up or it's uh, the extent to which you're seeing it, you know? Um, and it's pretty shocking to see actually the, <laughs> the how far and wide it spreads, you know? I mean, I've seen, I see people on Facebook, you know, from, um, from, from Ireland, you know, <clears throat> from where I'm from and uh, friends, and they're, outra they're as outraged as any American, any leftist, uh, quote unquote, bleeding heart liberal uh, in the US uh, is about this. You have Europeans um, just outraged. It's just perfectly designed to tug at people's heartstrings, right? The idea of little kids, you know, uh, being taken away it works every time. from their parents works and uh, put into cages, right? I mean, it's just presented in, in the most horrible, horrible way. Uh, the reality is obviously much more probably a lot more nuanced than that. You know, this isn't evil Trump who hates kids, uh, delighting in wrenching them from their parents' uh, you know, embrace and, and throwing them into cages, you know? Right. Uh, like I said, this has been a policy that and kids were separated from their parents back, uh, way back in 2011, 2012, uh, under Obama. So it's just the only thing that gives rise to this, I suppose, is the fact that Trump just went, okay, let's... Let's double down on this. Let's uh, let's stop them all. You know, we're going to tighten up the policy. You know, uh -huh. and and as, like I said, a zero tolerance policy, basically. You know, which was announced this week by Jeff Sessions. Well, and in April, in it April, was, it was announced. Yeah, so just getting going. It took a few months to really kind of gain some traction, I suppose. You know, okay, um, and get into the media. Now this week, um, the right off the bat, the images of children used. Mm -hmm. I mean, time took one of them. And then this little girl who's who's screaming at like in the middle of the night somewhere in the Badlands in the south of the U.S., looking up. Um, they took her and they put her with Trump, looking down at her, right. just grinning. It's this big yeah. cheesy grin, right? Now somebody's already found out that that image. Oh, the story in this case was that this child was wrenched from her parents mm -hmm. there and then on the spot. But people who were there said, in fact. That never happened. She was allowed to go with her parents. Right. That's one specific case. But another egregious example of the manipulation of imagery and children and getting people all riled up right. was the fact that one of the first images put out showing people behind some kind of wiring fence, wired fence cages, they were describing mm -hmm. it as, was actually an image taken from several years ago, right? right? Yeah. yeah. When this began under President Obama. Mm -hmm. But that's what I've been saying. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's it's cynical. I mean, people I don't know. People like um, a lot of people like having their emotional chain yanked. Uh, it seems, or certainly, they don't have much of an aversion uh, to to that happening. You know, or they don't have much of a I don't know. It, it's some kind of a uh, some kind of an organ maybe that some people have, or some people have that works better than others, where you just something feels off about uh, a situation where you we get this impression that you're being uh, you're being toyed with you're being you know and maybe it's people who you know who who just feel that they're being 
provoked or, or, or encouraged to to feel strongly about this and some people just go yeah that doesn't feel right to me they, they want to stop right there and say hang on a minute let, let me work this out let me try and figure out what's going on here because that's an alarm bell for them and other people just automatically just go with it they, they love it you know they just i mean if there's some drama and some outpouring of of grief and sympathy and stuff to be to be to be done then they're they're, they're fully on board with that so mm. it just depends on the on the on the kind of person i suppose um but i, I, but rather, yeah. I rather suspect it's the same people very often over and over again do you remember coney 2012 right turned out to be a cia pr all right um yeah, to, to demonize correctly, probably a warlord right. in Uganda. Yeah, like people are going to be able to fact check something yeah. in the heart of Africa right, right. now, <laughs> and even under Obama. Again. But it went viral. Yeah, and then afterwards, uh, bring our children home, where there was a bunch of by Boko Haram. Yeah, two thousand babies taken by well, children, girls. girls, girls, young girls. Yeah, and I mean, there's a there's a whole backstory to that, that that made it not quite so simple as well. You know, the facts eventually trickled out, and there were a couple of hundred kids, and it was debatable as to whether they were kids or not. They were older. Right. So the, a lot of them voluntarily stayed, right. which typically happens, Stockholm syndrome and all right. that. Right. Um, yeah, so it's just, one, I suppose once you've been exposed to that kind of thing enough times, or if you've had uh, had your 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 emotional chain yanked uh, enough times, and then you realize afterwards that uh, it wasn't true, or so you got burned in enough times, then you're just, I suppose, more skeptical of, of that kind of thing, you know? And at the same time, you try and not, you know, lose your humanity in that respect. You, you don't become a completely cynical type thing. Okay. But uh, there's an awful lot of that going on. We know there's an awful lot of that going on. Um, I mean, we've we've been talking about it for, for years, obviously, about uh, the appeals to people's sense of humanity, uh, appeals to people's sense of sympathy for the other, for other people, for uh, poor people, whatever, around the world. Um, and how that is used very often for nefarious purposes, for imperial, you know, adventures basically to justify wars, to justify invasions. Um, you know, you can quote stuff like in Libya or in Iraq. You know, Saddam's weapons of mass destruction. He's an evil man. Libya, Gaddafi's killing his own people. Uh, Syria, Assad is killing his own people. And then pictures of young babies, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's the babies. It's the babies type thing. And I mean, we've seen that enough. You know, we've seen the babies, babies, babies thing enough. Uh, used by the media by governments in the west enough to realize that you know you're being sold a line of bs uh, of one type or another when that happens at this point or at the very least you really should just stop and go listen i'm not going there again i'm not doing it again you know what was what george w bush said once fool me once shame on you no i won't get fooled again whatever <laughs> that 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 famous quote um you know that's that's where it's at and in the U.S., I mean, you know, the whole immigration thing, people don't really seem to care about immigration. I'm not saying that uh, it's, people don't seem to care about it in, in, the, in the sense of trying to understand why it's happening, what's happening, and even looking at the history of it and understanding the, understanding the whole concept of immigration, the history of immigration to the U.S., particularly from the South. Obviously, this is the major issue for the U.S., uh, they don't care to try and understand that. Not that even understanding it is going to uh, provide a solution uh, or an easy solution, um, but certainly, and if, in fact, I think that's what people should do, and that's what people don't want to do, because they want an easy solution. Because if you look at a situation in enough depth and look at the history of it and all that kind of stuff, you realize that there, uh, there's not a lot of black and white. Um, it's much more nuanced than nuanced than people would and the media in particular 
would like you to think. Um, and it's much more difficult, therefore, yeah. to, to come up with a solution. You know, there, there people don't be, like that. You know, there's going to be a lot of structural reasons behind it. Right, structural reasons that will inevitably point you to a whole set of factors that need to be adjusted, including right. ultimately one's own behavior and participation Absolutely. in yeah. a system that is part of it. Right. You know, and people don't want to go there. I mean, in the U.S., obviously, the, uh, the major immigration flow comes from Mexico. I think it's about 55% of illegal immigrants uh, into the U.S. on average in recent years are 55% are Mexicans. But then the next few down the list would be uh, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. And the presidents, the prime ministers of those three countries who are implicated in this decision by Trump, this zero-policy decision and taking kids away from immigrant uh, parents, um, they have spoken out against, you know, this policy, and that uh, I mean, they they welcome Trump's backtracking on it, basically, where they wouldn't separate families anymore, but they still want to know, you know, what's the deal here, and this is this inhuman what you're doing, basically, and that's kind of interesting because those those the presidents, the politicians, or the political class uh, of those countries, including Mexico, um, understand something that. Maybe the, that they understand explicitly what the people and the immigrants understand implicitly, implicitly, which is that there is a long-term uh, kind of <coughs> unspoken agreement, effectively, between, in particular, Central American uh, countries and the U.S. In that they're basically neighbors. Uh, more importantly, the U.S. for decades has been all over those three countries that I mentioned. Uh, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, going back to 1954, and by by being all over them, uh, by by the U.S. being all over those countries, of course, I mean, generally speaking, or specifically, I mean that they've been involved in multiple coups mm -hmm. in those countries, uh, and effectively and proxy wars and looting those countries and making sure that, uh, and, and they do bear a, a significant responsibility for the economic. For the, arrest, the arrested development yeah, of or, these places. Or underdevelopment of those countries, which is one of the primary factors for people immigrating. Um, you know, these are the quote-unquote banana republics, you know, which is a phrase that goes back to... Guatemala. You know, right back to the beginning of the 20th century for, for several of those countries, not just yeah. Guatemala, but uh, Honduras and El Salvador as well. And other, other further south, uh, Latin American countries were basically... Bananas were a big thing at a certain point in time, among other other fruits and United uh, businesses. Fruit company. And they just bought a massive, large, like millions and millions of acres in these countries and, and used them to produce uh, bananas, as one example, and, um, and shipped all the profits back to you know, the US, basically, and created a lot of problems in the country in the sense of when these big corporations in, in these relatively small countries like uh, El Salvador um, and, and Honduras and, even, and Guatemala even, uh, they're basically kicking farmers off land. Farmers no longer have access to land or cheap land or whatever. Uh, so that's, and that's been going on. And since 1954, for example, when the, the coup, the CAA, well-known CAA coup in, in um, Guatemala, there have been several coups or assisted coups of, of, in one way or another in, in both El Salvador and Guatemala as well uh, by the CAA who are just have kind of free run of the place or had free run of the place for a long time and still do are so have been entrenched in the countries in those countries for so long they have a lot of influence 
And those countries are, are what they are today as a direct result of CIA and US direct involvement in their economies and their politics. So, um, yeah, it's, which, uh, that's, which, that's known and understood. You know yeah. what I mean? I think, I think they used to call, um, I think the, the name for Honduras at one point was the USS, and USS Honduras. Right. The whole country. It may as well have been a, a well, battle carrier. Well, like an, yeah, like a, a ship, basically. Oh. It's not, not so big, so it was like just like a big ship, you know, because there's so many military, so many US Marines there, and obviously with them a lot of intelligence agencies and stuff. So um, and there's, there's an understanding that's been so, there's a culture, in a certain sense, a cultural exchange or a cultural enmeshment between the US and those countries that has been there for such a long time. Those people, you know, I mean, when they want to improve themselves, or they, in a certain sense, America's been their kind of sugar daddy, but uh, you know, really nasty one in a certain sense. And America owes them, and this is understood by a lot of the people in those countries. That to a large extent, it's their it's their right, they're entitled to go to America, because they know the history of American involvement in their countries, American influence in their countries. Therefore, there should be some okay. reciprocation. We should be allowed to go there. So it's like, uh, and that's why, you know, this is smarting in a certain sense, particularly with the political class, because it's like, hang on a minute, you know, we we we, we let you into our country. We basically. You know, you basically overthrew uh, leftist governments who may have kicked you out and given the land back to the Guatemalan people or kept resources for the Guatemala or El Salvador or, or um, Honduras. Hondur Honduran people. Um, so, so you're responsible to a certain extent for the way we live there and the way the, way the country operates politically and economically. And um, so, you know, you can't back out of it. It's, it's very similar in a certain sense the way... With Europe. The, the way Europeans have responded to Trump's tariffs, Trump's yeah. uh, trade war and stuff, it's like, what are you doing? This isn't part of the deal. This was. This is not how it works. This is not how it works based on the way that you set it up. You know, after the Second World War, America rules the world, right? America is basically opens its door to everybody. And, you know, like I used the phrase a couple of weeks ago, whatever, uh, you know, America's like a big fat sow and all these countries are piglets suckling on its teats, you know? And it's like, you know, there's a reciprocal kind of a relationship there, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's for you to suddenly just turn around and, and unceremoniously boot us out and say we're not friends anymore. It's just like, what the hell are you doing? Not only is it like not cool, but it's like, how do you expect to change all this? I mean, we're, we're, this is, we're globalized. We're all in it together, basically. You can't just suddenly turn around and say we're not friends anymore and it's all going to change. What the hell are you talking about? And it so it took a while for Europeans to, and still has taken a while to, for them to kind of come to terms with that. And the same may happen, and uh, for different reasons, with for for immigration reasons, with uh, with with Mexico, with Central American countries. You know, uh, Trump yeah, just I mean, Trump seems to be making enemies. You know, um, but we can't say that it's absolutely for the wrong reasons. You know, or that it's a bad thing. Although it's a difficult and painful thing, obviously, when you separate you know when you have to kick the kids out type of thing although the, i'm not saying that's not actually the way it is it's not i'm not saying that america is like the benevolent bad pun benevolent, the, yeah exactly the issue at well, hand this week right exactly kicking babies but but i'm not even saying that's really the way the relationship is but that's the kind of way it that's the the kind of animosity the acrimony mm. involved is is similar to that let's say yeah uh, when you kick your kids out of the house type of thing this uh, answers the question that i've had for a while now how in god's name do successive for example, Mexican governments mind, just consider the brain drain 
of well, I suppose the elites in large part probably are fine, say in Mexico City. So it's not quite a brain drain. A brain drain is it's more of a reference to what happened to Russia in the nineties. But simply the the resource drain of losing so many people. Do they themselves not want a wall as well to you know get things well, properly shaped up at home? Well, I spoke with one of our Me- we have a Mexican editor of Salt and Spanish Salt, and he said, yeah, you got to understand that there is a tacit acceptance on behalf of Mexico City that a lot of people will leave, hook up with people they know in the United States, earn money, those who can find work and they do work, and send it back home. And that is a superb source of cash right? for Mexico, yeah. ultimately for tax coffers, but uh, simply hard cash. And that's probably one of the key planks in what you just described mm-hmm. of the reciprocal understood between the lines arrangement right. that Mexico's had with the United States. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's foolish. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with Trump's isolationist approach because I think it would be good for the world. But at the same time, it's a no-win situation where in order to change that, to, to break those bonds, to break those ties that have been there for at least 70, 80 years, it's going to be painful. So there's no easy way to change things for the better, i.e. there's no way to do it without uh, there being some amount of pain, you know. Uh, but I think change is, is kind of necessary, you know. It's, it's, uh, at this point, it's useful. I mean, I, I mean, we have said it for a long time, the more uh, the world goes toward, pushes or moves towards a kind of multi multipolar world you know with like we've talked many times previously with uh, china and russia and other countries basically asserting themselves and coming online as major powers and you have this balance you have you know it's no longer a monopoly it's there's there's it's a competitive market basically and that's good for business right it's it's uh, it's good for business and it's good for the business of government you know of of world of of governments around the world or running the world basically and more competition you know Uh, so if i have to if we have to choose that's the one we go for but we realize that it's going to be difficult. Uh, the separation is going to be an acrimonious one. It's going to be an unpleasant one. Um, so, yeah. But, um, yeah, Mexico is the big, the big, uh, the big issue. When people, when people in America and the U.S. are, are accused of, uh, of calling everybody Mexicans, it's for good reason. You know, about 55% of the illegal immigrants are, are Mexicans, you know, and the rest are... You know, so for the average American, you know, when the, when the, the majority of people come across the borders who are illegal immigrants doing the crappy jobs that Americans don't want to do uh, are saying they're Mexicans, then if the odd one comes along and says, I'm not Mexican, I'm from Honduras, they're going to go, uh, Mexico, whatever. <laughs> Hence yeah. the joke, anything south of the border is it's, Mexican. Well, that's because of immigration. That's, yeah. that's the reason. It's not because of In their experience. Yeah. Um, and it's it's Trump being a hard nose. Arguably, is if if in this context, it's an American president being responsible um, as well, because it's actually also Trump's human side. Because the number one issue with the electorate is immigration in the United States, and that's not because all Americans either have always been or suddenly turned racist. It's because of the harsh reality that a lot of people face, especially in the southern states, but not necessarily just in the southern states anymore, with all the attendant problems that come with, like, if in the old days the cash crops that were part of the arrangement were bananas, mm. what's the cash crop today? Mm-hmm. Drugs. Mm-hmm. 
and that brings a whole ton yeah, of problems there's, there's with various it different problems like gang, gang members gang members uh, you know i mean the extent to which you can't talk in general or across the board like it's all mexicans it's are, minority right of course tiny but, minority but it doesn't matter uh that it's tiny minority that people can't easily discriminate you know what I mean? Unless uh, they've got tattoos all over their face. But well, okay. <laughs> but even but if, if even a small percentage of, of illegal immigrants turn to crime, which isn't strange uh, in, a, in a country because they're there illegally, you know, they can't get a job, they turn to crime of some description, well, then they're going to tarnish everybody else who isn't engaged mm-hmm. in criminal activity. And you can't blame the, the host population for, for thinking ill or for just going for stereotypes because, you know, it's technically it's true that most of the crime in a certain area in the US is being done, is being carried out by, by, by illegal Mexican immigrants or Mexican gangs or whatever. You know, it doesn't mean that every Mexican in the world obviously is, is a criminal, but you have to speak directly to that. And this is why the whole thing, the, whole, the reason that governments, <clears throat> politicians and stuff don't want to talk about this is because they're afraid that the average person not that well. Not that, yeah. They're afraid that the average person uh, <clears throat> is too stupid to differentiate, and that you will just spread racism if you tell the truth <clears throat> about the truth about racial stereotypes. It's it, rubbish because huh? se- settled settled immigrants in the United States, so Mexican Americans, yeah. voted in huge numbers that just stunned people for Trump. Right. Yeah. So uh, they agree. Um, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a majority, of course. But the majority would have their easily have their 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 heartstrings pulled the other way, right? Probably out of a misplaced sense of or patriotism or mm. kinship with new new arrivals and so on. Um, yeah, but it's interesting that uh, that this this I mean it's interesting enough. Like we talked, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that. Um, this is happening at the same time in Europe as it, was, as it is in the US, but it's been going on and it's ongoing in the US, in the EU for what, at least three years now, about three years, let's say 2015 was a big deal with legal immigration stuff, but the immigrant influx into Europe has been happening for three years. Just It's almost like America just kind of caught up uh, with Trump, but it's interesting too. I mean, the figures for, the figures for immigration into the US aren't, you know, haven't skyrocketed, aren't skyrocketing, you know. Uh, they kind of tend to ebb and flow. I don't think anybody knows particularly why they kind of go up and down from year to year over over a few years. Um, so certainly Trump Trump has been talking about, what he talked about, 2.7 million or 27 million or 270 million. He talked about millions, anyway, of immigrants. You know, so he throws out kind of scare figures and stuff. But there, there's no, doesn't seem to be any evidence that um, this year, for example, is any worse than than previous years uh, taking into consideration that their that their ebb figures ebb and flow uh, rise and fall the same is true in Europe <coughs> where um this year but right now there's a crisis in Europe uh where they're basically calling it an immigrant immigrant crisis crisis or an immigration crisis but uh it's not so simple and it, and it kind of flies in the face of what's actually happening, which is that, for example, 2015 was uh, the year that uh, the immigration, that there was the biggest, the biggest influx of immigrants into Europe was in 2015, which of course was four years uh, into, four years after the destruction of Libya by NATO 
which caused a lot of immigration, and also was about three years into the Syrian civil war. So you had a lot of immigrants came in 2015, it was a big crisis, but apparently Europe dealt with it. And now in 2017, or 2018, three years later, suddenly there's an immigra immigration crisis again, but the numbers aren't, if you look at the actual figures, the numbers are nowhere near as high as they were in 2015. So why is this being called an immigration crisis today when it wasn't, when it was arguably much, much worse to, in 2015? But again, you have to kind of, in a certain sense, look at the Trump effect, uh, Trump effect or the Trump factor in Europe. Uh, by that, I mean basically the rise of kind of right-wing, conservative, isolationist, nationalistic t uh, type parties. That's what's actually going on in Europe t t uh, today. That's why... Uh, European heads of state are meeting today, actually Sunday, in uh, in Brussels to discuss this immigration crisis. And it's not so much about the number of uh, immigrants coming into the country, coming into Europe, into the EU, but it's about the fact that there has been, uh, well, political events, <coughs> political um, recent political events have really precipitated it. Uh, most specifically, uh, the election of a coalition a right-wing nationalistic anti-EU coalition in Italy uh, who have pretty much said, the leaders of which have said, uh, immigration is stopping now, you know. And, you know, you can understand, uh, particularly Italy, there's other southern, more southern European countries who have been screaming and shouting about it over the past few years but haven't had the voice that Italy has because it's a big country. Uh, but it, the fact that uh, this new Italian government has basically said no more immigration and very kind of, dramatically, I suppose, turned away a ship just uh, this past week, a ship of immigrants that tried to dock in the southern Italian port. They they sent it back to sea, basically. Um, this is uh, this is what has brought, to, brought it to a head, basically, uh, uh, that because Italy is basically now saying no more immigrants. Um, and that's the only, the only thing we can put that down to is that uh, the fact that there's, there's been a political change, you know, in the country, that uh, there's, a, there's a right wing political party uh, two of them actually form a coalition in Italy and they just decided no more immigrants and uh, they're kind of Eurosceptic or whatever, but they're, they're drawing a line at, at, at immigrants for a start. Um, and it's understandable, you know, even though the inflow right now in 2018 isn't as big as it was in 2015, they've had to absorb the flow since, this, you know, the, the flow in 2015 and in 2016, in, in 2017. Um, so, they're just calling a halt to it, basically, and it's understandable that they would do that. You know, that there's a certain point where, I mean, they're, they're quoting figures, they're saying basically, I think they said 170,000 um, immigrants into into Italy over the past few years, uh, costing, according to it, this new Italian government, it's costing them uh, 5 billion every year to house these immigrants, 170,000. And they just want to say, they're just saying, okay, it has to stop somewhere, so we're going to stop it right here um, and uh, Europe has got a snickers and twist about it. the Brussels the central powers in Europe have got their niggers and twist because well they're afraid in general of the rise of right-wing nationalist parties I mean being anti-immigration is just one symptom of, of, a, of a broader spectrum of kind of uh, policies that these right-wing uh, right-wing right-wing parties in Europe would would adhere to and they're European central authorities are just afraid of <clears throat> if they don't do something about these complaints that these new right-wing parties in Europe have, then these right-wing parties will push it to the point where they'll leave Europe and the whole European Union um, project will come crashing down. That's the only reason that Merkel who, and, and Macron, who 
were happy to accept this influx of refugees over the past, or, immig or immigrants over the past uh, few years, they're now saying, okay, we have, a, we have a problem. We need to do something about this. Well, why? Why, why, do you, why do you think you have a problem now when you obviously had a problem in 2015 you don't, and, and, and you don't really have such a big one now in terms of numbers? Well, the reason they have a problem now is because, um, well, because there's been a public backlash and a, a public back, backlash that has manifested in the election of right-wing parties uh, or the increase, dramatic increase in, in, in support for right-wing parties in Europe. And one of the major or the major aspect of it is of the of the support for those parties uh, amongst the population is immigration. There's nothing else that explains it. Yeah, um, the the EU's dealing with this has been completely hampered. They haven't done nothing up till now. What they've tried to do is to coordinate all countries together on one policy. So they tried to get everyone to agree on quotas. The eastern countries, particularly Hungary, said no effing way. Mm -hmm. Then he's re-elected on that basis, right? And uh, now populism is more entrenched than before, at least, at least in Hungary's case. Um, the policies they tried to do, they they they've had EU troops. Oops. I'm not even sure who they are. They're, I guess, they're regular soldiers from some donor countries in Europe. They've had them in Libya mm -hmm. on an ad hoc basis, but it's part of an ongoing plan that's still in the works. It's it's so like. They haven't actually come up with a plan and said we're doing this. They 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 come up with a number of plans, sorry, but they haven't actually implemented anything today. They're still trying to get everyone on the same mm -hmm. page to do it. But they can't while there's new governments coming in and saying, No, we're not having any part mm -hmm. of this at all. Mm -hmm. That's why there's the emergency summit this weekend, mm -hmm. today, in fact, in Brussels, to try and do something. In the meantime, Italy, for example, um, is blocking ships and they're not blocking all ships they they have let one in um just now just today i think mm -hmm. um and it's producing like in these crazy spats between the countries because a lot of them they're trying to get through italy that's just a transit route right just like greece was to get into the more prosperous northern europe i want to go to france what's happening at the french border with italy they're, they're literally kicking them in the head saying no get back get lost and then you have the hypocrisy then of Macron telling Italy to stop being fascist, basically. Mm -hmm. And they're replying, but then you've got people at the border. You won't let them through. Right. So we're left to deal with the problem. That's why we're going on our own unilaterally. And mm -hmm. we're saying we're, we're camping down on sh letting ships in the port, which is why you had that incident with the, the ship was called the Aquarius. They wouldn't mm -hmm. let it dock. It ended up going, going to Spain. To Spain. Mm. Um, it's uh, completely ad hoc. One of the grand schemes, it was actually Macron's idea, it was announced last year, um, was to, they had a summit in Africa. Do you remember the one where Macron went and he made a bit of a, a tit of himself by embarrassing himself, by trying not to be all colonial, but coming across as a condescending colonial chief? Well, they announced a 44 billion euro package deal with a number of North African countries where they would tackle the roots of the problem mm. there. Th right. That's been the main theme. We, we obviously need to do something over there mm. before they come here. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how far along that is, but I do know that one thing that was kicked into place, so it started, this program, was that they started paying migrant smugglers in Libya to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. 
That's been going on for about a year. Yeah, that wasn't a problem before Libya was destroyed by NATO, by the French, basically. They're basically trying to rebuild Libya, bring back its function that it had before mm -hmm. as a bulwark against Africans coming to Europe. Idiots. I mean, they're just... And they're doing it by paying the smugglers to not do it. Mm -hmm. The smugglers have been upholding their end of... They get paid, therefore, by Europe mm -hmm. to not do it. They've been upholding their end of the, the bargain by, in some cases, sinking the ships. Mm -hmm. And then it looks bad in Europe, and Europe goes, that's really evil. You shouldn't be doing that to migrants. Poor migrants come to Europe mm. publicly. Mm. But privately, they're paying them. Implicitly, ships. they're saying, shoot them in the head if you have to. Do not let them cross. Mm. Although it's, some are allowed to cross. The, the idea is that they'll be processed in place in Africa before they come, some of them. But what it's effectively doing is it is stemming the flow. That's why it has dipped down from 2015. Mm -hmm. But it, there are still huge numbers amassing, and they still want to come. Mm -hmm. The UN just um, this month actually put out a report and said while flows into Europe have gone down, uh, way down since 2015, there are more refugees globally than ever before. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Oh, another yeah. layer of the insanity is that the people they're paying in Libya to stop them crossing are now millionaire people smugglers who were the terrorists, sorry, rebels that right. the EU used to overthrow Gaddafi. Right. All of them with ties to ISIS. In fact, um, this week also, news this week, was the, U the UN agreed to sanction in particular four individuals in Libya, mm -hmm. who are now rich, apparently. All four of them, either ISIS or groups affiliated with ISIS. Mm -hmm. Terrorists, basically. Mm -hmm. They're paying terrorists to stop doing... It, 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 it's insanity upon insanity. And well, it's not strange that the Europeans would, or Americans would pay, pay terrorists for, for something, for anything. I mean, they've been doing this for, right. for a long time. Um, so Macron is technically correct when he, he's lambasting Italy right. this week and saying, he basically said, what immigration crisis? Yeah. Insofar as the numbers are, the official numbers are way back down to like 2012 yeah, levels. But, yeah, but there's still 170,000 of the ones that came in in between, you know, 2012, 2013, 2015 in particular that are still living in Italy. And they're not moving out of Italy because the French won't let them through the Austrians won't let them through you know, any, any border into, into Eastern Europe. Obviously, they're not going to go east. They want to go west. So it's really only um, it's Austria or out of Italy. It's Austria or France. And France and Austria are basically closing their borders and saying, no, keep them in Italy. And Italy then has to spend the money. I mean, what are these? What are 170,000 uh, you know, illegal immigrants from Africa, from wherever, uh, going to do in Italy? They, I mean... They, they don't speak the language. They maybe don't have a lot of skills to get to do any jobs, whatever. A lot of them are, are basically, you know, have to be supported by the state. And that's costing Italy money. So it's not like, it's not like just because the immigration flow reduces from a peak in 2015 that it's, that it's the end of the problem. Italy still has to house and look after a large number of those immigrants. Um, I have an article here. I want to pull it up. It has a bit more detail on what I just said um, about the UN sanctions this week. Um, here it is here. Let's see if we can make this a bit bigger. Okay. <clears throat> so, unprecedented UN sanctions slapped on, quote, millionaire migrant traffickers. 
There are four Libyan nationals and two others, two Eritreans. Um, <clears throat> the incredible thing about this is that they know these guys have long-standing links with ISIS. Hang on a second. Hang on, hold. Here, look at this. Long-standing links with ISIS, right? Um, not only that, okay, the Dutch prosecutor's office, I think they were involved with drafting this um, statement or the sanctions resolution by the UN. Uh, describes these guys and the sheer scale of their business. They have property all over the world. They obviously have connections. I mean, you, you don't just have you know a, a worldwide network and the financing without having serious connections. The Dutch foreign minister. Um, oh, here's another gem. One of the guys who was sanctioned is officially a commander in the Libyan Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. passed with not letting migrants cross. Right. So obviously, for the right money, he will let you cross. The Dutch foreign minister, Steph Block, this week commenting on the UN sanctions. It says, what this shows, our sanctions, is that we will go to whatever place or organization concerned and punish the people responsible. Even if... if it is an organization that we are working with in other fields. Right. Well, the level of corruption there is obviously ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's, 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 I mean, you know, people like Steven Pinker and Jordan Peterson is also a big uh, advocate of this idea that, uh, that things are getting better. Things are only getting better. Uh, and they have all the statistics to, to show that so many, you know, millions and millions of people are being lifted out of poverty. Uh, over the past, you know, few decades, um, there's far fewer wars, far fewer deaths from wars, all that kind of stuff. Historically, you know, and you can go back as long as you want to show that, you know, yeah, things are getting better. Uh, the level of the living standards of people around the world are, are getting better all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but that doesn't, there's stuff going on behind the scenes <clears throat> where there's a facade of, of kind of, uh, representative, responsible democracy in the West and all that kind of stuff. But then you look, you just have to scratch the surface a little bit and you see this, like, it's it's a mixture of corruption and greed mixed with, which often happens, mixed with fecklessness in the sense of where, where, where like, that example you just gave of, of, of the EU working with groups that are former terrorists who are working against EU policies, but the EU is also working with them in other fields type of thing. You know, it's just like, it's a, I mean, what could go wrong is the question. Obviously, everything not only could go wrong, but is going wrong right now with that situation. And I mean, so there's a, that's something that these people who, who say that things are only getting better don't seem to take stock of, you know, uh, because they just believe the, the official line. They look at the, the statistics and the figures, but they don't look in, into the levels of, of kind of corruption that are, that are, that are, Inf that are, I suppose, spreading or are, uh, infecting the whole system, you know, progressively, you know, uh, where there's a, dist a greater and greater distance from um, between between politicians, people tasked with like responsible governments, and uh, what's actually happening in the country and, and the lives of ordinary people in the country, you know. Um, I mean, there's other aspects to that as well in terms of just uh, people having, you know, 
that they're being uh, people living meaningful lives, you know, because you can you can contrast uh, an increase, this, the rapid increase in technology and the, the increase in standard of living that that has provided for many people around the world with uh, rapid or an equal decrease in a satisfaction or satisfactory uh, satisfactory lives that people are living or meaningful lives that people are living, you know. So it's not so simple just to say that because everybody, more, more and more people are, are not starving or have, have food and have a house, uh, it's not so simple to say that that means that everything is, we're, we're facing into a, a rosy future, you know what I mean? There are other factors that are not being taken care of that are much more pernicious or much more, present a much more, a much more bleak outlook for our global civilization. You made a point before we came on air that, that actually might rescue the basic point made by someone like Steven Pinker. So Pinker's basically going through all the basic stats and showing how globally people are better off, they have better access to water, to food, to basic resources, to transport, etc. Um, so the point you made, that you asked the question, how do people on the move pay for it? Yeah. Well, look, that's they one, must one have aspect. hard cash. Just, uh, here's a basic stat, right? Um, in 2015 alone, these migrant smuggling networks, basically ISIS or whoever got on first in Libya, made between 4.7 and 5.7 billion euros from people paying them hard cash to get there. Mm -hmm. Also cash in mind back to the Syrians in Turkey paying $2,500 a pop just to make that boat hop onto any Greek island and thus into the EU. Right. That's hard cash. Right. Well, yeah, the point I was making was that obviously that that's in times gone by. I mean, this immigration, people wanting to come from poorer countries to richer countries isn't a new phenomenon, right? An immigration crisis isn't, isn't necessarily a new phenomenon. People have moved or have wanted to move, let's say, or attempted to move throughout history and sometimes successfully, sometimes not successfully. But uh, today, because of this, uh, things are only getting better aspect where, where technology is spreading and pe lifting people out of poverty. That's a function of the West, let's say. The West is spreading its wonderful technology and its its living standards to, around the world as it spreads itself around the world, as particularly the American empire spreads around the world. People, uh, you know, they, 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 they enter countries with their, you know, businesses enter countries and multinational uh, corporations enter countries and they do provide jobs and, and wealth for those people in those countries. Um, and that spreads down, trickles down to some extent or whatever, but it, and it still gives people more money. The, the spread of wealth is, is, has increased. Uh, but that is one aspect of the immigration crisis, because once those people in those countries who previously were not able to move anywhere, because if you have to, if you've got a 3,000 mile trip to go from, say, somewhere in Africa to, to Europe, how are you going to, if you're dirt poor, how are you going to finance that? You know what I mean? There's boats, you're not getting a plane, but there's cars, boats, you're not going to walk all the way. Well, the, how are you going to feed yourself all the way? You and your family and all that kind of stuff. So you have to have cash to do that. What would happen in the 1980s? Famine. Well, you had remember? Famines, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a feed the world. All right. That was the extent of the Western. Right, empathy with them because they would all sit there in North Africa and starve to death. Right, but now they're not only not starving to death because of they're technology. under hardship a lot of them, but they're they able move. to move. They're able to move. Yeah, uh, so they're a victim. The, Mar the West, the best you could say about the situation is the West in that respect is that the West is a victim of its own largesse. Uh, the immigration crisis is is a is the downside, let's say, 
of, of Western largesse to the poorer countries in the world would have facilitated the movement of these people to some extent. Facilitated. But there's other factors as well, obviously. There's wars, uh, conflict. Uh, I mean, big thing in Mexico, but big aspect of the Mexican move, of the Mexican immigration over the past number of years, it hasn't just started this year or last year, is there's a lot of violence in Mexico, you know, a lot of gangs and drugs and stuff, and in other South American countries. And that's one aspect of um, some people anyway wanting to get the hell out of there, you know. Um, but America's just seen, for, for Central European countries, America's seen as, as Valhalla, you know, it's just like, it's the American dream, it's everything, and, you know, to some extent it is, depending on the person's situation who's leaving. I'd say a lot of people who come to Mexico, uh, are coming to the US from Mexico, and other Central European, or Central uh, uh, American countries. Um, a lot of them, I don't know what the statistics are on returns, but I'd say they're higher than most people think, you know. Um, for a lot of Mexicans who go to uh, the U.S. decide after a few years that it's not, it's not, it's not what I thought it would be, or it's not all it was cut out, uh, presented to be, uh, and they might realize that they were they actually were happier back home, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. it's just a mess, you know. It's a big mess, and it's just a, it's it's something that happens at a particular time in history, particular times in history. I think. Uh, obviously, the conditions are very different today than they would have been in the past. In the past, when they had mass movement of people, you know, um, back then it was more to do with maybe plagues or kind of a mass, you know, pandemics or epidemics or uh, or some kind of natural disasters, cataclysms, that kind of thing would have moved people around around the place, you know. But um, today, it's uh, the world just is radically different today than it ever was in the past. Um, and it's uncharted territory in that respect, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Europe's case, it's very hard to. Probably the same. The same point can be made about the the U.S. as well. Um, the economics. Mm. Um, they've there've been a number of statements that suggest an economic motive on behalf of the powers that be in both continents. To open the doors and want yeah. a large number of people. The obvious thing would be cheap labor, right. um, but um, a less obvious and a difficult one to tease out. But again, it's from their own mouths uh, is that the actual people are needed as a resource. Mm. Um, I know Junker, at least, if not also other EU officials have said, uh, well, you know, the population's aging. Like, who's going to work for right. us? Yeah. Not, like, he didn't say that's not an exact quote, but he said in, in so many words. Um, and it's not just about work. It's not just about workers. It's also about workers doing the work. It's also about workers doing the work and then paying taxes. I mean, you know, from an econ from an economist perspective, there's not a lot of uh, things wrong with. Depending on the way it goes, there's not a lot of things wrong with uh, having a a fresh fresh blood <coughs> come into come into the country. You know, as long as they there's available jobs for them, because ultimately those people are going to be paying taxes of some, one form or another. Uh, if, even if it's only sales tax when they buy stuff, you know, they have to buy things, you know, purchasing, you know, consumers, uh, consumer demand. Uh, it's good for the economy, you know, and there are people who just look at these, a lot of them, especially in Europe, I think it's the thing that they look at first and foremost is the economics of it, you know, and there's not a lot from an economic point of view, there's not a lot of things, not, not a lot of negative aspects to an extra million uh, young, able-bodied men, for example, coming into their country. Who are going to have to work of some in 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 some way or other, um, and buy things, you know. So, um, yeah, and I think Trump in the U.S. Trump's Trump's uh, 
I'm not sure it's it's economics for him as well, because there is a downside to a certain expense, extent in southern states. But I mean, in the US, it's really only the southern states that are really concerned or, or uh, Trump would be appealing to. It's like Texas, uh, Arizona, you know, uh, southern states where, where immigrants would immediately arrive and then, and then move to most easily. A lot of them try to go to New York, obviously, if that's where everybody's accepted. All the immigrants are accepted in New York, right? You don't have to, in liberal New York, it's like they still... Uh, take everybody supposedly, but um, but they don't because in practice, as we know from plenty of demographics, um, New York is extremely segregated because right. everyone lives in a specific areas. Yeah. It's all come on in, come on in, but it's not really. It's come on in in an abstract sense, mm -hmm. but you're not ever going to live. Right. I don't want to see you. Right. Really. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's competition for jobs. People come in, all that kind of stuff. You know, and, you know, it's 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 not easy to figure out what whether whether there's positive or negative or what the po there's positives and negatives the thing and depending on your perspective depending on depending on your political leanings you you'll focus on the negative aspects or you'll focus on the positive aspects of course positive aspects for liberal lefty open can open people people with higher higher openness traits uh, will be like well these people are it's cultural diversity right it's cultural enrichment right it's it's and it's just uh, from a humanitarian perspective, you know, America, that's what America is all about. Bring them in, house them, you know, whatever, give them a place. We were all immigrants originally, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's an interesting question of when America stops being an immigrant country, you know. How long does it have to exist for before it stops being an immigrant country? Because, I mean, like France isn't an immigrant country, you know. Uh, England, no no European country is an immigrant country. Has that history that America has, has that self kind of self-assigned largely identity of you know bring me your poor and your etc uh, so how long does america have to exist before it stops being that it's been what a couple hundred years maybe it takes longer but at some point you would think that america history would that the, the history would fade away a little bit and america would establish its own history as in theory, it might have established itself if it had gone a different way. It might have established itself, but it has still established itself as a white, uh, a Caucasian, a white uh, Christian nation, right? Mm -hmm. Not just an immigration camp, right? But that's what it was for all the people, who, most of the people who came there. All the whites that came there from Europe were all immigrants, right? Um, I don't know, uh, and but that that's what conservatives tend to. Tend to want to push, and Trump wants to push. Is America? They have an identity, the idea of America as America's, America's racial, and religious identity, and it's a country. It's not an immigrant camp. It's basically, America is white Christian, like any other white Christian nation in Europe. It's European, basically. It's just an offshoot shoot of a European country. That's what they would like it to be. But then you have, the other side of the people, the other half, let's say, other, whatever percentage it is, who say that no, we're a nation of immigrants, and everybody should be welcome, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's less than half. Um, Probably. They're just more vocal. Hence the changing of change of regimes in the US and mm -hmm. in Europe, potentially. Um, the, the US is... I think the US can deal with this, but Europe is in a serious predicament because um, the, the upward pressure from voters to basically do what Italy's doing, mm -hmm. and uh, the the complete fecklessness by the EU in response to to, to this crisis is it's unsustainable. I mean, I, if you consider that um, 
it's, I think this is the single most important issue for people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that should be the case or not, I think it is. It just is. Mm. It, it, it's um, because it's gained so much traction. I mean, the extreme characterization of it as a, you know, uh, an immigrant invasion um, has a lot of traction. And it, I think it has a, an unspoken traction for a lot of people. Most people will not agree with that or express it that way they don't want to be racist called racist whatever um yeah but i will have to wait and see but it's not gonna it's you know it's shaping up it could just go away or it could uh, it could get worse we'll have to wait and see but i mean uh, we at this point there's no way to know whether you know there's no way to predict that europe's going to fall apart or america is going to turn into a kind of uh you know a, a, a under trump is going to you know Incarcerate all the immigrants and uh, or and kick out the rest of them. Okay, so obviously that's not going to happen in America. America is a is a multicultural nation, multi multi ethnic, multi racial nation, uh, by definition. It's not you're not going to undo that, uh, obviously at all. You're not going to to change that. You know, so it just it just looks like the the prognosis would be more continuing strife until something happens, something if something happens, or until people just get fed up with it and stop talking about it, or it all just settles down. People are so you know. Sh- Individual humans and humans in groups are so fickle, you know, and that might be a good intro for a video that we want to show about fickle people. Um, which one now? Racial matter. Oh, okay, right. Well, this is the um, this the this is the crocodile uh, tears from Rachel Maddow, who of course M- MSNBC host in the US. Um, where are we now? Um. This is her <laughs> breaking the news that the White House had announced something this week. Um, uh, okay, here goes. Let's play this. The AP has just broken some new news. Um, this has just come out from the Associated Press. This is incredible. Trump administration officials have been sending babies and other young children. Oh. <laughs> to at least three oh. we put up the graphic of this thank you do we have it no three tender age shelters in south texas lawyers and medical providers just i think i'm gonna have to hand this off yeah <laughs> Sorry, that does it for us tonight. We'll see you again tomorrow. Now it is time for the last word with Lawrence O'Donnell, where he is live in Brownsville, Texas. Yeah. That's Rachel Maddow. Um, she's so choked up, she can't even report uh, the news. Is that genuine? I doubt it. Um, it. It's probably genuine. It probably feels right to her, but it's it's um, it's fake in that it's she 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 has no real experience of of what most Americans the ones that do encounter the problems that come with mass immigration she, she doesn't see that reality at all so she's living in this completely la la land mm-hmm. and she thinks by crying on air that um, it'll strike a chord mm-hmm. maybe with a hardcore of her viewership but she doesn't re- yeah she's completely oblivious to well, the fact that most people are like whatever she's being completely immature as well about it you know um, yeah. and 
irresponsible, really, you know, by presenting in that way. You know, babies, you know, just talking about babies. I mean, anything can be achieved uh, in theory, uh, certainly uh, with, with a certain section of the population, you can achieve, uh, you can push through any ridiculous policies or get support from people for any ridiculous scheme that you have by appealing to them uh, through the vehicle of think about the poor babies, think about the poor children. And it's totally disingenuous to do that, you know. I mean, even if you feel that yourself, you should not do it because it's, 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 it's not responsible and it's an appeal to emotion over actually informing people about the situation. And because, I mean, a bunch of people crying over, <coughs> over abstract babies or pictures of babies is not going to solve uh, the problem because it's a very complex problem that has been there for quite a long time. And that kind of appeal is not going to, uh, is not going to solve any problem. So, I mean, she's, but, you know, some people like that. It's a problem. And some people, some people see through it and some people take a more mature stance and a more appropriate stance to it. And other people um, just go with that, you know, and then get out in the streets and start screaming, screaming about Trump and, uh, and wanting to uh, impeach him and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, in other cases, <clears throat> people are openly threatening to kill Trump. Um, or they have been for a while, I suppose. On Twitter and elsewhere, um, Peter Peter Fonda is an actor. I know Jane Fonda. Is that related? Yeah, Peter Fonda. Are they brother and sister or something? I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's the guy who was an easy easy rider, right? Right. Um. He's, he's so unhinged about this, he tweeted this week that he, he wanted to see Trump's son, Barron, be kidnapped and imprisoned with pedophiles. And then let's see if mother will stand up against the giant beep she is married to. He's completely nuts. I think Twitter has since taken that tweet down. That's why I can't show it to you. But um, yeah, it's totally unhinged and um, it, it's doing it to a lot of people. I'm, uh, Sarah, Sarah Sanders, the press secretary for Trump, was in a restaurant yesterday, I think, and the restaurant owner asked her to leave mm -hmm. because she works with Trump's government. Right. That's it, kind of unheard of, yeah. That's that's kind of like uh, somebody's going to shoot someone, maybe, and then that will be like a whole other level of. Yeah. It could go there. Um, but like I said, you know, these th kind of things, you know. I mean, if you look at what what else is going on in the world, there's you know, there's been a lot of um, the dial has been turned down. Let's say on previous stories. I mean, maybe it's because it's summertime in the northern hemisphere, um, and things tend to get a bit more quiet. People are preparing for holidays. You know, politicians slack off and that kind of stuff. So, you know, the stuff doesn't happen anymore. You know, the stuff that we're all meant to get worked up about just kind of goes away for a while until somebody turns the dial back up in the autumn when everybody comes back online, you know. But it's like there's a World Cup going on, so a good portion of the world is uh, is watching watching soccer and, and, and kicking back. And it, it, the world seems to have responded in terms of the, <laughs> the, the kind of dynamics that play out. You know, the, uh, you know Syria, for example, is, uh, is on the back burner type of thing. There's still stuff going on in Syria, but you don't hear much about it from um, in, in the Western media much anymore, um, maybe because... I don't know. I, I don't think they've given up on it, but you know they're taking a break. Basically, um, it's taken over here and there, but you know there's no more. All the attacks on Syria, and you know, and then we had obviously in the past few weeks we had the, the North Korea business. It's kind of gone quiet as well. Um, 
it's all done apparently now we're all friends with North Korea everything's going to work out just fine so all the people who are crapping their pants about you know being bombed by North Korea just have to learn learn that lesson you know don't get so freaked out next time because it all got better things can be made to go away very easily they can be made yeah. to appear uh, out of nowhere as a crisis very easily as well and just as easily made to disappear apparently uh, Brexit in the UK kind of shenanigans still going on there a bit of a joke it's been a joke it's the longest running gag in the history of politics basically Brexit um, <laughs> the Brits are uh, still pretending that they're pl going to play hardball and uh, the uh, Boris bobblehead Boris Johnson the for British Foreign Secretary said he wants a full English Brexit no he, full, he said he wants a full British Brexit uh, there might have been a pun on uh, the full English breakfast but he wants a full British Brexit uh, which is nonsense, obviously, because they can't have a full British uh, anything uh, in terms of uh, the EU, you know, because they're in, uh, inextricably tied economically uh, to uh, the EU, and they can't just walk away without any kind of a deal, and they're totally in a, in a, in a, in a weak position and have been since, since the vote happened. Uh, and they're not going to just be able to... They're not going to get a, a no-deal Brexit where the, where the entire UK just leaves... EU without any deal whatsoever and all ties are cut uh, first of all they can't do that economically because it would basically seriously harm the British economy and secondly uh, I mean an example of that is that uh, Airbus which is a big European aircraft manufacturer which has um, factories and manufacturing plants in various European countries including in England they have said that because of because of the threat of the Brits just leaving without any kind of a deal uh, that they would shut down their plants in in the UK, uh, involving the loss of thousands and thousands of jobs. It's just one example. I mean, there's many many other companies, multinational companies, would do the same thing. So this is one example of like kind of the the economic doomsday that is beckoning for the UK if they walk away from this situation. And so any suggestions by the British government that they're going to play hardball and walk away from it is nonsense. So that's on an on economic front, on a political front, they can't just, the, the UK can't just leave the EU because they happen to still hold on to a little part of Ireland. And uh, they can't just walk away with a part of Ireland out of the EU because Ireland, most of the rest of Ireland, is in the EU and is, has no intention of leaving the EU. So they can't just take a part of the northern part of Ireland and leave the EU, take it with them in the UK uh, as part of Brexit because uh, that would cause serious problems for the island of Ireland in terms of it, its economics because there would have to be a hard economic border there and also a hard and it it, it uh, implies the possibility of reigniting a kind of a conflict in, in, in Ireland because the the, re the removal effective removal of the border uh, between Northern Ireland and, and Southern Ireland was part of a a, a peace deal uh, after 30 years of conflict, basically. So if they were to reimpose that border as part of a Brexit, you would have a potential reignition, reigniting rather, of um, of of, a, of some kind of a, of a war. So on, on several fronts, they're just screwed, basically. So, and I'm just tired of Brexit, basically, because it's obviously, it's obvious what's going to happen. Obviously what's going to happen is there's going to be some kind of another referendum in the UK, and they will vote to no longer even thinking about leaving you and then the past what three years almost of bs basically will be exposed for just that it will be 
complete will, will have been will prove to have been a complete and utter waste of everybody's time and energy. So you're calling it here now another referendum, either another referendum or something, some kind of a Brexit deal, which is tantamount to not leaving, not leaving, okay. because there's no other option. So yeah, uh, but there's nothing else, not much else going on in 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 the world right now. Like I said, there's just palpable sense of things kind of just being quiet and taking over a kind of period of period of stasis, I suppose you might call it, where, and I mean, that says a lot because there's, if you look at the news, there is a lot of crap going on, but that's stasis, you know, in, in the context of, of the kind of stuff that has been going on over the past 10 or 20 years, the, the amount of chaos that has been reigning on this planet for the, for the past 10 or 20 years, since 9-11 really, uh, well, what you see today, stuff happening in, in the world and news today, that's, uh, that's what not much happening looks like so right. that just means you should take the time now to rest up gather yourself gather your senses uh, because no doubt things are going to kick off uh, again uh, in the not too distant future um, and probably get worse that's my crystal ball gazing for today get worse from from a certain perspective get worse from everybody's perspective even though it'll mostly it'll be a result of people not really looking at the situation and seeing through it and seeing what's really going on. Uh, people, there'll be lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth and uh, screaming at the moon. It'll get worse because a sky. large part of it is people's illusions right. are dying. People's illusions are dying, but also, and people trying to hold on to them and people making crap up, making stuff up, you know, willfully indulging in hysteria is what will, and of course that's contagious, you know, and then everybody else gets, oh, I, I better be hysterical as well, you know, let me get really worked up about this as well, you know, when they just had, have totally the wrong perspective on, on the situation. You know, like you, you know, you're not going to go out there and change the world. You know, and this is a leftist kind of lefty, uh, progressive kind of uh, mantra. You know, or, or ideology, which is that you know we need to act, we need we're all activists. We all need to be activists. We all well, there are a lot of them in, in the right too. Well, as well, yeah. But they're but yes. The only the only out I would give them or the excuse I would give them is that they are to a large extent reacting. They're not the initiators of it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you know, um, but yeah, but they're the, the ones on the right are equally capable of getting hysterical about yeah. things. But generally speaking, they're using the fuel that is given to them by leftists and progressives who want to push us all into, you know, lead us all quickly, very quickly into a, a brave new utopia, uh, a wonderful new new utopia. Where there's no racism, no sexism, no transphobia, no, no Trump. arachnophobia, and no Trump. Most importantly, uh, that's where they want to push us all. And there's people who are have heavy, heavy shoes, you know, have have lead in their feet and don't want to go there. And they're the they're the kind of right wingers, and um, and they're they're they'll react. They are reacting, obviously, you know. So yeah, it's set up for for a good old uh, showdown, basically. Uh, but everybody should see it from for for from that perspective, you know, see it from a more detached perspective and realize that this is, a lot of it's kind of manufactured, a lot of it's manufactured in the sense of it being people's own... Imaginations running wild. Yeah. And, and, and then, and, and therefore emotions. And getting hysterical and getting worked up. And like I said, almost willfully because they enjoy it because it's fun, right? It's fun to take a really hardcore, strong position and rant about something because especially when you feel like it's, and everybody feels this way, is that you are, uh, you have you have the moral high ground. You're, you're being righteous in your condemnation of something 
and you got to say it and feel it as much as possible. People feel good when that happens, you know. I mean, they, obviously, they must they must feel good. I'm, I'm, I'm inferring that from the fact that they keep on doing it, you know. The people generally don't do things that they don't like to do that's, that are painful for them, so they must enjoy getting super worked up about stuff. Give me some stuff to get worked up about, you know. What can I get worked up about today? Of course, they have all sorts of justifications for it, but whatever, you know, I mean, you need to take a different people, uh, seeing people, seeing people listen to the show need to take a different perspective because uh, there's plenty of people doing that kind of shit. So you don't need to be part of that, you know. So let them handle it. Let them handle the hysterics. You don't need any more. Don't get infected by the hysteria. Stay clear. Stay clean. Right. Don't eat the Tide Pods. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we'll uh, leave it there for this week, folks. Um... Like we said, there wasn't much going on apart from the world's collapsing uh, slowly, incrementally, supposedly. Uh, so that's the roundup for this week. We'll be back again soon sometime. We can't say exactly when. Might be sooner than you think. Maybe not. If not, it'll be next week uh, with another update or another analysis or another look at what's actually going on on the planet behind the headlines. So until then, thanks for listening and have a good evening. See you next week. Bye.